0: All right, tonight we are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm really excited about this lesson. This is this is an encouraging lesson that I hope that we can just sit back and enjoy the most awesome person ever. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, Jesus is really unbelievable the things that He's done for us, the things that He continues to do for us, the things that nobody else can do, Jesus is a part of something that is indescribable and something that nobody could ever touch in any uh, shape or form. 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want to start in verse 4. And I want to read, uh, we'll finish off in verse 10, but I I want to start in verse 4 and just read a little bit, and then we'll get into the lesson. Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion the chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected... "...has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient, to the word to which they also were appointed." What makes Jesus so special? Is it because He's the only begotten? John 3.16 says, "...for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." Which means... One of a kind. God gave a one of a kind to us that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is it because of what Jesus said in John 14, 6 where He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And whoever comes to the Father can only come through Me. Or is it Acts 4.12, which says, There is salvation not in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know, all of these descriptions, all of these things about Jesus, they all make Him so special. But tonight I want to focus on what this Scripture says in 1 Peter. Really an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. And I want to talk about it in three ways. The first way I want to talk about it is Jesus Christ, the rejected stone. Jesus Christ was rejected. Look in verse 4. It says, "...coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious. Look at verse 7. It says, Therefore to you who believe, He is precious, but to those who are disobedient, and then we see this Old Testament prophecy which talks about the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. You know, in Mark chapter 12, if you would turn there, matter of fact, let's just look at that for just a second. Mark I'm going to talk about it, but we might as well just look at it. Mark chapter 12. Verses 1. I'm going to do a little bit of reading, but just bear with me. Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And watch what Jesus says. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, and built a tower, and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at vintage time he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers, and they took him and beat him, and sent him away empty handed. Again he sent them another servant, and at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and another, and others beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, They will respect my son." But those vine dressers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The mistake that the Jews made was they missed the Messiah. They missed the one who was coming to redeem Israel. They missed the one who was coming to save them as a people. They despised Him. They rejected Him. They hated Him. You know, you think about in John chapter 18, uh, going down probably close to verse 40, it talks about Barabbas. You remember, Jesus is locked up and they're going to uh, let somebody go, which was the deal that they did at Passover. Uh, The governor would let somebody, uh, one of the prisoners go, and he stands Barabbas up and, and he stands Jesus up and he says, which one do you guys want me to let go? And what do they say? Barabbas a robber a thief they let Barabbas go and they let Jesus the Christ the Messiah stay you know Jesus has become the very stone that was considered unfit by men he was unfit why is Jesus so special Danny read it early uh, this morning for, before the Lord's Supper. In Isaiah 53, 3, he said, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. See, the beauty of what that shows us is many years ago, before it even happened, this was prophesied about Jesus, and it comes to pass exactly like it was said. Jesus was the one who was rejected. But here's the really cool thing. The one that was rejected the one that was despised, the one that was treated as if He wasn't anything, look at verse 7 back in 1 Peter 2. It says, He has become the chief cornerstone. The second thing to consider this evening is Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. The Jews didn't want Him. The Jews didn't accept Him. The Jews didn't appreciate Him. But you know who did? God. Look again at verse 4. It says, Coming to Him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God as precious. And then he goes on in verse 6. He says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. And this chief cornerstone is elect. It's precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Now think about that for a minute. I want us to just uh, talk about this. Why is the cornerstone so important? You know, you've heard lessons about it before. It's been talked about. We understand how they used to build uh, back in the day when the Jews would set these buildings in order. What would they start out with? They would start out with that cornerstone. And it had to be right. It had to be the right angles. It had to be smooth. It had to be set to the right degree or everything else built around it was not going to be right. Isn't that true statement? I'm not real smart about that stuff, so I'm not going to act like I am. But I do know this. If the chief cornerstone was not set exactly how it was supposed to be set, then it wasn't going to work out for the rest of the blocks getting built around it, Right? The stones that were going to be set around it would either be off measurement and you'd end up having a wider building than you needed to or it would be off balance or it wouldn't be set exactly like it needed to be. God is so beautiful in His wisdom. Why does He say this? Why does He let us know that this chief cornerstone is elect and precious? Because everything is built off of it. Every angle, every measurement, every reference point. (laughs) Why is Jesus so special? Because I base the things that I do in my life off of Him. Amen? I base the things that I do in my life off of Messiah. Whatever Jesus Christ says to do, whatever He did, whatever example that He set for us, He is the one, if you do it just like Him, you'll be successful in your life. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing to know that those of you who are in Christ have all spiritual blessings because of Him? The things that He did, the things that He suffered, He did it for us so we, in turn, could be just like Him. See, look what it says in verse 5. It says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's the question tonight for you, brethren. If you had to answer this question, how would you answer it? Are you being built up a spiritual house? Are, the stone, are you as the stone, as you're being built up in the house, which is all of us together... On the right angle? Are your measurements right? Have you gone off the right reference point? Have you put it up to the one that's going to make your path straight and make it stack the right way? You know, when we put on Christ in baptism, our sins were erased by His blood, amen? And we were added to His church. But from then on, do we spend our lives walking in His steps? Do we really appreciate what He's done for us? Or is it just the routine that we've gotten into? Is it just the thing that we know we got to do every first day of the week and Sunday night and Wednesday night? Or is it a life-changing event for us? Do we really appreciate what Jesus did? Because in God's eyes, He was elect. In God's eyes, He was precious. You know, we've talked about this. I've had lessons on things that are precious. Libby's precious to me. Babies are precious, aren't they? Isaac's precious to me. I know he ain't trying to hear that, but he is. Isaac is precious to me. So what do I try to do? I try to take care of them. I try to make sure that they're successful in life. When I need to get on them, I get on to them. Why? Because I want him to do it the right way. Same thing with God were precious in His eyes. Jesus was precious to Him because He knew the example that He was going to set for us. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Philippians 2 verses 8-9 through says this, And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name. Why would God the Father give Jesus the name above every name? Because He did it perfectly. He did exactly what was expected of Him and He never messed up one time. And you know, I think about that. And I think about me not even being able to measure up to that. And Hebrews class, you'll have to bear with me because I use this a lot in class. But if you would, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I want you to look at verse 16. You know, I'm not really that smart. Uh, I'm not trying to talk myself down, but I'm not really that smart. So I just use several Scriptures to help me uh, remember things and keep me encouraged. And this is one of them. This is one that really encourages me because Jesus Christ did it perfect. He never messed up. He was the one who is above every name. He's the one who is exalted above everybody because of the things that He did. And look at what He wants for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. For the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children of God, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Jesus Christ made the way for us to be able to be joint heirs with Him. And He was okay with it. Yes, He's the name above all names. Yes, we uh, adore Him and we appreciate what He's done for us. But He made the way so we could be children of God. Doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that make you want to live a little bit different? Doesn't that make you want to live as this, uh, as Peter says, a living stone? Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. The third thing I want us to consider is this Jesus Christ, the reliable stone. Turn with me back to 1 Peter. And look at verse 6. It says, Therefore it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Whoever believes on him will by no means be put to shame. You ever been put to shame? I remember when I played ball and, you know, we were a pretty good team in basketball uh, when I was in the 8th grade. And we thought we was really good. And we played a terrible team and we didn't practice. And we went out there and we got beat pretty bad. And I remember going back into the locker room and we was fighting and fussing with each other. And Coach said, y'all got put to shame tonight. Y'all was embarrassing tonight. You ever been put to shame? You ever been put to shame about something that you've done maybe wrong and maybe your parents told you and called you out on it and it was just you was just shameful Well here's the blessing and what makes Jesus so special is that you'll never be put to shame in him You will never be put to shame with him why think about these three things because he's the living stone He's full of life, and He's right at the right hand right now making intercession for us. Jesus is still doing things for us right now at this very hour. That's somebody I want to follow, amen? You know when you're tired and and you're trying to do things and you're trying to help the brethren out and boy, they just sometimes, man, they wear on you, right? The brethren just wear you out, don't they? They always need something, they always want something. You ever felt like that? You think Jesus ever feels like that when He gets all of your prayer requests sent up? I mean, if He just listens to my list, I'm sure He's like, man, you got a lot of problems, man. Really? That's what you said? He don't care about that though. He wants them, doesn't he? Turn to Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Sorry, Hebrews class, y'all should have straightened me out. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. We've been here for so long, y'all know exactly where I'm going to. <clears throat> but I want you to think about this. It says, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And here's what I want you to focus in on. Verse 16, which says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why is He a reliable stone? Because the blessing that we have in Christ is if we ask, we'll receive, right? Right? But we don't ask in a crazy manner. We ask in accordance to His will. Because we've studied and we understand what God wants us to do. We understand how to handle the situations. And when we're down and we're out and we're struggling and we're, we're not feeling good, whatever the situation is, we offer up these prayers because we know that we can ask Him boldly. That's awesome. That's special. That's special. And He did that for us. He's at the right hand making intercession for us right now. Why is He a reliable stone? Because He's a living stone and also because He's a tried stone. Verse 15 right there in Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tried in it, wasn't He? He went through all the same situations that we went through. He faced all those same circumstances that we face, but without sin. Why do I trust in Jesus? Why do I trust in what He says? Why do I do what He asks me to do? Because He's reliable. Because He understands what we've been through. So if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm not telling you something that you can't do. I'm telling you something that you do because you want to be successful in your everyday walk with God. If we believe that Jesus is who He says He is, then our life should never be the same. If we believe that Jesus is who He says He is, then we understand that He is a sure foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you want to be successful in building a Christian life that is sturdy... If you want to build a Christian walk that is going to stand the test of time, it has to be built on Jesus. It can't be built on your money. It can't be built on your great job. It can't be built on the, the fancy car, whatever, the, anything else, any type of material stuff. Can, it can't be built on your wife. She's next, but it cannot be built on your wife. It has to be built... On Jesus. Amen? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Such a familiar story. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore... Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Think about the illustration. Simple. We know this story. Probably heard it a million times. But it still holds true. A person who hears what Jesus says and does it, and realizes that what he says is reliable, when the floods come, when the winds blow, and beat on the house, it's not going to fall because it's what? Built on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, verse 26, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now ask yourself this question, brethren Are the winds blowing in your life? Are the floods coming? How's your house standing? Is it getting beat down? Is it falling? Is it rigged up? You know, uh, you rig something up. I'm not real good at rigging stuff up. If I rig it up, in in like a week it'll fall down. That's why I call Blue. I get Blue over there and he, he can rig it up, but when he rigs it up, it's a good rig up. I mean, it's a great deal. Is your life a rig up? Are you just fixing it and walking through life just because you think, you know what? I'll be all right. I can do it. I can figure it out. Or do you say, you know what? There's never going to be a time where I'm not going to do exactly what God wants me to do. And therefore, as I do those, the Bible holds itself true that it won't fall, it won't fail. So as we leave tonight, I want to read a scripture, two scriptures, and I want us to think about them. But there's so many blessings that we have in Jesus. We talked about it in class this morning. And we heard somebody say something, and somebody else said something else, and somebody else said something. And before you knew it, we had about five or six blessings, and we hadn't even really scratched the surface of all the things that... Jesus does for us. You know, and I talked about and mentioned in class, you know the song, Count Your Blessings, can you name them one by one? When you start really thinking about the things that are good in your life, it kind of changes the perspective. Not that you don't have bad things happening, not that you don't have things that are a struggle, but what are those things doing? They're trying to point you back to one person and that's the Lord. You can't do it by yourself, but you can do it with Him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Turn with me back to First Peter, and I want to close with verses 9 and 10. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in your heart? Because if you do, this is for you, brethren. Verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that you may, a holy nation, his own Special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had obtained mercy, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Do we realize what we have? Because of Jesus Christ. How special is He? He brought us out of darkness into a marvelous light. We were once not a people, but now, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. Somebody who at one time didn't receive mercy, but now, through the blood of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on Calvary, we now have obtained mercy. How does that make you feel? Does it change who you are? Does it prick your heart? Does it challenge you? Are there things going on in your lives that are contrary to God's Word? Are you hateful to people? Are you disrespectful to people? Are you arrogant towards people? Are you better than somebody? Are you disputing with somebody? Are you trying your best to be like Jesus in all that you say and do. Colossians 3:17 says whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord. Giving thanks through Jesus Christ. Your actions will show how thankful you are to the Lord by the things that you say and the things that you do. Jesus said, you'll know my people by the fruit that they bear. You'll know my disciples by the fruit that they bear. Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? The challenge for this week, brethren, is go find somebody and talk to them. Go to somebody and invite them. Somebody you may have been talking to before. Invite them to come and worship with us. Sit down and maybe talk to them about a Bible study. And if you ain't had that opportunity and that opportunity don't present itself this week, just be like Jesus while you're at work. Talk like Jesus would talk. Act like Jesus would act. Say the things that Jesus would say. Be the shining light that people need to see. They need it, brethren. People are hurting and struggling in this world. And the only way that they'll ever see light, it may be from you. Is it that important or is it not? Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you need the saints to pray for you. Maybe you need a hug. Maybe you just... Need some love. You can come right now and we can do whatever we need to do with you. We'll pray for you and we'll we'll love on you and we'll be there for you. But maybe you're here today and you need to become a Christian. Here's how it happens. You believe who Jesus is. You believe what He did. That He came, that He died, and that He resurrected. And if you believe that then you understand that you're a sinner, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. And you have to be willing to repent. Peter told those on the day of Pentecost, he said, repent, turn from the way you're living, and turn towards Jesus. And then he said, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. Forgiveness of sins comes through obedience of the gospel. Baptism. Not the removal of filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God, saying, you know what, Lord, I can't do this by myself. But you've given me the pattern. You've set the way to go, and I'm going to do it because I know what you tell me is true. And when you do that, your sins will be forgiven. Added to His church. And Jesus says in Revelations 2.10, If you're faithful until death, I'll give you the crown of life. Living a life that's faithful to Him. Will you mess up? Absolutely. But do you have the ability to have your sins forgiven? Yes. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you need to be obedient to the gospel, if you need prayers, whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand to sing.